Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, February 12th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, I had certain topics uh, written down for today's show, and we'll get into those. Um, but really terrible news uh, broke overnight. I-, I didn't see it too early this morning. I went to bed a little early for my standards last night. Rising senior defensive backs Amir Reap and Jocelyn Wint have been arrested and charged with rape and kidnapping. They are currently in the Franklin County Jail they have been suspended, of course, from all football activities at Ohio State. Obviously, backs horrible news to wake up to this morning. And if this is true, just, you know, prayers to the victim if this is true. But uh, what horrible news to wake up to this morning. Yeah, I don't even care about the football angle at this point. Um, uh, having I read the reports and everything, and apparently there's video and all kinds of other damning evidence here. Um, it's absolutely, like... I'll use the word evil <laughs> if if the reports are correct and yeah. uh, you don't even worry about football at this point. These guys are these guys' biggest question is whether they're they're gonna be part of free society for the next ten years or not. Not whether they're wearing the scarlet and gray again. I mean that's over. Um you know, I, I really the only thing from a football program is is that this is Ryan Day's first what I would consider uh major test. And as we saw Mark D'Antonio up in Michigan State, how you handle these things uh defines the character of your program. So uh, I think that he, I don't want to go any further than saying prayers to the victim here because it it seems like a really horrifying situation. So, you know, needless to say, it wasn't what we were hoping to be talking about here on a Wednesday morning. I think we do need to say innocent until proven guilty, too. I, I do think we need to say that because it doesn't look good, though. I mean, but I, I just don't want to give any commentary. But I, I do want to just put the facts out there. You know, they've been charged. It's not you know, just allegations and they're investing it. They have been. Um, I mean, they are allegations, but they've been charged and arrested again. They're in jail, uh, and it doesn't look good. Um, but I do want to say innocent until proven guilty. So I'm sure there's people listening to the show saying you guys are just saying these guys are definitely guilty. We're mm-hmm. just going to let the facts play out. I'm getting zero commentary on this. I just, um, yeah. you know, that's just that's just where I stand on it right now. And um, we will, of course, keep everybody updated on Bucknuts and uh, on the Bucknuts Morning 5 and uh, – We'll see what happens, but it uh, does not look good. And just, as I said, what a horrible way to wake up and, and, and read that report. Uh, let's move on. This all seems trite at this point. Let's move on to some Ohio State football uh, news. Sounds like Cade Stover, um, registered freshman. Actually, he'll be a sophomore. He played in, I think he played in over four games. I'll have to look that up to be sure, but I think he played in more than four games. So he's going to be a sophomore this year. Uh, Cade Stover, they moved him from linebacker to defensive end at the end of the year this past season. And now they're going to move him to tight end, it sounds like. Now, we know these things are never etched in stone, right? Sam Hubbard, who kept moving back and forth from outside linebacker to defensive end to tight end, and finally back to defensive end. Things are working out pretty well for Sam Hubbard. So, uh, Kate Stover definitely taking that uh, Sam Hubbard path back, if this is true. But if this is true, what are your thoughts on Kate Stover moving to tight end? Uh, makes me wonder if there isn't another tight end who's leaving the program. Uh, let's face it, you've got three tight ends right now. Yeah, between Farrell, Hausman, and, and Rucker, who can play tight end. I'm not sure why we're all so excited to have another tight end, um, especially in a guy like Stover, who we were thinking was 
going to potentially be a guy who could grow into a, 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 a impact defensive player. So it makes me wonder if there's uh, if there is some jostling for playing time potentially coming uh, from one of the tight ends maybe who thinks they deserve more run. Um, I know OSU liked having four tight ends on the team last year, but it's a weird move, I guess. Maybe they think it's just what better suits Stover, and I'm reading too much into it. Maybe they think that's just where he's going to develop best as a, as, a, as a D1 football player at Ohio State. But it seems like a move that doesn't really seem necessary due to positional numbers. So maybe, And maybe it's another thing where they're saying, hey, let's get him some reps in case we have injuries, you know, because he's a guy who can physically do it. And, you know, that may be what's going on too. But I guess it's a little bit of an eyebrow raising for me just because of the fact that uh, Ohio State, you know, they've got a bunch of young defensive ends, and you're going to want to – really figure out who's going to replace the Chase Youngs of the world. And uh, I think you got some depth at tight end. So we'll see. But to me, it's a, it's an intriguing move just because I didn't really think it was a needed move. So we're going to have to watch this one play out in the spring. Yeah, you mentioned the depth at uh, defensive end. I want to get into that next. Um, I wonder if this says you know, the coaches are, are very confident in Noah Potter can be like that uh, up-and-comer as a redshirt freshman, you know, certainly not start to be in the rotation because they have – you know, I think Zach Harrison's a lock to be a starter, and probably Jonathan Cooper is a fifth-year senior. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Tyreek Smith, as a junior, if he can stay healthy, has a better year than Coop. But those will be the top three guys: is Harrison, Cooper, and Smith. And then, obviously, Tyler Friday is going to play a lot. Javante Jean Baptiste is going to play a lot. They need kind of one more guy that they, you know, one more guy to fill up the three deep. And I wonder if that's Noah Potter. Um, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard uh, too much about him. I think the, the little I have heard has been positive, and he got his feet wet, played in a couple games last year, was still able to redshirt. So maybe they're maybe they're feeling good about Noah Potter backs. Maybe don't forget Jacoby Cowan's there early too. Um, he's another guy who may be in part of the equation. Um, you know, you've got an, you've got all those defensive tackles. Maybe one is able to bounce in and out. We've seen that plenty of times in the history of Ohio State football, where you have guys who can play both inside and outside. Um, I will say the, the little bit we saw of Potter was pretty solid. Uh, you, have, you have to think it's a good time when somebody can flash as a freshman um, and with the new rule preserved as redshirt. So, you know, there's, there's, there's some guys there. Uh, there's no question about it. And at the top, you have some fairly proven guys. You know, Zach Harrison had an excellent freshman year. Uh, I think Tyreek Smith, if he can stay healthy, which is the big question mark, but if he can stay healthy, he's an impact guy. Jonathan Cooper, look, I know some people are like, yeah, 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 Cooper's back, whatever. No, not whatever. That's awesome that you have a, a guy who's essentially a six-year senior coming back. You need Cooper. You need to have Cooper. Even if he is not going to get you ten sacks or something, he doesn't have to be a Bosa brother or Chase Young. That's awesome that we have him back because there's not a lot of experience at that position. You need a veteran. Um, and I, I think Gene Baptiste could be a guy who could have another sort of bigger breakout year. You got younger guys like like Potter and Cowan who are there. There's a lot of depth, and with the track record Larry Johnson has, somebody's going to have a big breakout year. So maybe with all that depth, that's another reason they felt comfortable moving Stover. Or it just might well have been the fact that maybe physically he's he he doesn't fit defensive end as well as all those other guys, and they're trying to find a spot that fits his frame and his athletic ability. So you know, in the end, it's uh it's a good problem to have because I mean. How many programs are sitting here at this time of year going, we got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, N, J, the options at this position, all of whom have pretty darn good pedigrees. So these are some of the problems you like to have as an Ohio State fan. 
And when you talk about the sheer depth that you have at a position like defensive line, where you've been one of the best teams in the country the last couple of years. I want to go back to the tight ends for a second. You mentioned um, the depth situation at tight end. Yeah, the only lose Rashad Berry. I wonder if they're not very confident in Cormonte Hamilton. He was the only um, tight end in the 2019 class, was hurt, didn't get on the field last year. Um, kind of a lower-rated guy anyway. Although I, I, I tended to I, – I liked his film. I thought he, you know, he's definitely a super physical guy. I could see him – uh, definitely being a good blocker, and you know, and, and fairly athletic when he gets the ball in his hand. Um, very short tight end at six foot one, but I wonder if you know, that might be a guy that uh, they're not very high on, or it just isn't working out. Uh, but they do have Luke Farrell, who's coming back as the he'll be a third year starter now at tight end. Um, Jeremy Rucker, a guy on the rise. To have Jake Hausman, he'll be a fifth year senior, but he's a, he's a guy that also doesn't get out there all that much. Um, yeah, I just uh, you know. I we don't know really what's going on with Cormonte Hamilton, I guess, but uh, just uh, you know, kind of expound on your thoughts on the depth of tight end. Well, Cormonte Hamilton's a guy who I think we all want to see succeed. He he literally took the Greyhound bus to and from campus during his recruitment from Tennessee to uh, try to make sure he got a scholarship offer and be part of the class. Like he's a guy who he didn't literally crawl over broken glass, but he rode the dirty dog twelve hours back and forth each way to get to campus. So that's a kid you want to see succeed. Um, and he's young. Look, how many guys have trouble their first or second year and then come on late in their career? Um, I hate to play the transfer speculation game, but, you know, Houseman is the third wheel of those guys. Farrell's the clears, you know, run him out there starter guy. Ruckert's the big pass-catching guy. Houseman's kind of the third guy. And remember when Farrell and Houseman came in, we said, oh, this is great. We got the top two tight ends in Ohio. One of them's going to end up being the starter. You know, maybe they'll be playing time for both in a role kind of like you used to see with the – with Vinette back in the day, and then, uh, you know, we're sitting here in a spot now where Jake Hausman is a guy who's going to probably have his degree by the end of the spring. Let's say he decides he wants to go somewhere, he's going to get more run. That's a legitimate fear, and maybe the staff's aware of that. So I don't want to play the transfer game, but that's if you're going to look at it from a, a common-sense point of view, uh, Hausman and Hamilton are the two that you're going – are one of them potentially not going to be here this fall? You know what I mean? And I, I think that the, the Stover might be insurance against that. I don't think any decisions have been made. And this is kind of part of the chess of being a, a head coach in a program like Ohio State, right, where you're going to have so many good options that kids want to get on the field. So that's just something to consider. I'm not saying that there's anything about anybody transferring or leaving the program that, that, at the tight end position, but – it is always the real politic of the situation is, is everybody going to be here this fall? And when you look at it, there's a chance that maybe they won't be. This Michigan State coaching search is just, my gosh, it's got to be completely embarrassing for them. I just, it's just, I know, right? What? I mean, what a disaster. Um, just curious to get your thoughts on what's going on up there and if you think they can salvage uh, getting a good coach. Their smartest move at this point is to let Mike Tressel be the interim coach for a year and come out of it the other end of the year with clarity on the NCAA situation. Um, you know, it, it, I hate to say it's topical, but their campus culture is reportedly the biggest reason that Luke didn't take that job, um, which is, of course, uh, a lot of allegations of sexual misconduct by Michigan State players over recent years. Uh, a recruiting class is from 2016 that turned out to be an absolute disaster off the field for Michigan State. And, 
Luke and his wife probably looked at this and went, we don't really feel comfortable stepping into what we feel is not a good culture uh, with the way these athletes are respectful towards women and all these other things. So the the, the other thing is about that job is it's a really bad time for a mid-level Power 5 job to come open. That's what Michigan State is. You can win there, but it's not the easiest job to win at. You don't have built-in major recruiting advantages like a Florida school, right? Like the state of Michigan is is usually not quite at Ohio's level when it comes to high school recruits, right? This upcoming year, they actually have a decent top of their class, which is, you know, a little rare that they have that much talent in the state. But they're set up to be the fourth school in the Big Ten East almost every year, right? Because you have the big three. We all know it's Penn State, Ohio State, and that school up north have more recruiting advantages, more money, more history, more tradition, all that. You have to have somebody at Michigan State who's really a dynamic kind of guy. And you're not going to get a dynamic kind of guy to come to Michigan State with the potential cloud of NCAA sanctions over them in February. So at this point, you may well see them just say, Mike Tressel's going to be our coach for the year. We'll reevaluate at the end of the season. And maybe in a year's time, you can get one of those guys who are the up-and-coming types. You know, I mean, right now the names getting thrown around are like Brett Bielema, Bob Stoops, right? Hey, they have great track records, right? But Bob Stoops stepped away at Oklahoma because he's worried about his health, and he's busy kind of freelancing in the XFL right now. Uh, at uh, You got Brett Bielema, who absolutely flopped on his face at Arkansas. These are older retreads, right? And the hot names in coaching right now are the younger guys, the Ryan Days, the Lincoln Rileys of the world. Those are the ones that everybody's trying to bring in to run their program. Sparty's not going to get one of those. That's a Luke Fickle-style coach, right? And if you're Luke, and, and, and honestly, I think this is getting underreported. Luke has always been a loyal kind of guy. Obviously, we as Buckeye fans know just a little bit about Luke Fickle. He's got six kids. He's a family guy. All these jobs he interviewed for over the years uh, when he was at Ohio State, I think the closest he came to taking a head coaching job was at Pitt, where he was the runner-up a few years ago before he went to Cincinnati. It's right down the road. Their family is not affected. It's not like Luke Fickle's going to ever go and be the head coach at Texas or some crap. He's just not leaving the general area around Ohio. Michigan State is about as far away from Ohio as I ever see Luke Fickle coaching in his career, which to me means Luke's sitting waiting for what he sees as probably the two jobs out there he'd leave Cincinnati for, and that's Notre Dame because of his Catholic connection and how the, the tradition of that program is, and that's Ohio State. And really, if you're Luke, is that that bad of an idea? You can sit around at Cincy, get all the best second-tier kids in Ohio, probably win 10, 11 games a year, get into the New Year's Six every, other, every third year, be an absolute hero to Cincinnati people, uh, because you'd be the first coach to stick around successfully for more than just a couple years, and then you leave your options open. Because in the back of your head, you have to wonder if Luke Fickle's goal is to come back to Ohio State eventually and be the guy. He's only 45 or 6, right? He's not an old guy. And down the road, if Ryan Day wants to try to go win a Super Bowl, right, well, who's the first guy we'd probably look at? Luke Fickle with seven years of success at Cincinnati, winning 9, 10 games a year, and only being 50-something years old? Seems like a pretty darn good candidate for Ohio State in 2025. And I'm just spitballing here. Obviously, we don't think Ryan Day's leaving anytime soon. But if you're Luke and your career goals are to maybe make it back to Ohio State or Notre Dame, going to Michigan State's totally counterproductive. 
And if you're going to switch jobs, you need to switch up. And right now, with everything going on at Sparty, I don't think switching up was the result of any situation where Luke took that job. So I'm not surprised. Like, if this was the Sparty of three years ago, coming off a nine-win season and D'Antonio retired, it's a different story. The Sparty of today with campus cultural issues and a bad program and a weird time of year, uh, it just it wasn't going to happen. So uh, if I had to bet right now, it's going to be a retread like a Brett Bielema or they're going to let Mike Tressel go for the year and try to start afresh at the next cycle. And maybe then they can convince a guy like Matt Campbell to come in when there's actual answers on the NCAA stuff. So, And, by the way, I'd rather Matt Campbell be at Michigan State than Michigan. That's just something else to keep an eye on. Oh, and, Dave, I got a question for you. Think about this scenario. Uh, and assuming you agree with me that Luke isn't going to leave the general area around Ohio, I said two programs that he could leave Cincinnati for, Notre Dame and Ohio State. What happens if a third program in the area, in Ann Arbor, happens to need a head coach? Could you imagine Luke Fickle being the next Bo Schembechler? No. No, and that would be even worse because Luke, you know, actually played at Ohio State. You know, I mean, Bo was just an assistant coach at Ohio State. Um, did get his master's from Ohio State, so Bo was an OSU graduate. But Luke is almost as Buckeye as they come. I mean, you know, until Billy Price came along, Luke was the Iron Man, the most consecutive start, started the Rose Bowl his fifth-year senior season. I believe it was with a torn pec. can't remember what crazy injury he had that most guys couldn't even like to be walking around, uh, couldn't even get a beer from their fridge. They'd be crying so much. And Luke's out there playing in the Rose Bowl. His final game, he, he didn't want anybody to tell the trainers. He made everybody, told everybody, do not say anything to the trainers and the medical staff that he tore up. But, I, again, I believe it was a torn pec. It was something. It wasn't that. It was like a ripped-up shoulder. I'm pretty sure it was a torn pec. Uh, I can't see it, Bax. I can't see it. If Luke Fickle's mind, if you can get the – I've always said this to people that are like, well, you wouldn't let your kid go to Michigan on scholarship. Well, yeah, obviously if that was like their only offer and it was like you're giving me a free education and like my daughter's allowed to play on the tennis team and nobody else is offering him, offering her. But that's, that's a straw man. If you're good enough to get the Michigan coaching job, you're good enough to get another good coaching job. I can't see it. I cannot imagine a scenario with Luke Fickle coaching at Michigan. Can you? You, Dave, though, I got one. I can't imagine it either. But, you know, you're like, well, Bo didn't play at OSU. Okay, Gary Moeller. It's happened, right? Okay. Wasn't right. Moeller a cat? Right? So I'm just saying, if, if Luke Fickle's waiting for an elite-level job to open up in the immediate vicinity around Ohio, we mentioned the two we think he'd actually take. I'm just saying there's a third one that could fit that scenario that's right over the border, too. And, I mean, I will say this. It would be fascinating. That would make for a – they want a guy who can recruit Ohio. That's a nightmare, right? And, by the way, he'd be the first guy in the history of the rivalry to coach both teams. So, uh, I doubt it. I really doubt it. But if you buy my theory that Luke's not leaving the immediate vicinity of Ohio and that he's going to continue to win nine, ten games at Cincinnati uh, – Notre Dame and, and Ohio State may be pretty stable with their coaches right now. I don't think we can say the same about the guys up in Ann Arbor. They have to at least think about it, don't they? So I'm just putting it out there. Don't call me crazy. I don't think it's going to happen. The odds are high, but by God if it did. 
Great insights from Matt Baxendale. Other than that last insight, uh, good insights for the rest of the show. I'm just kidding. Good stuff from you, buddy. You can catch his award-winning column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks again to the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale, and thanks to our listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try that Buckeye swag, best in band in the land. Oh.